minute. No, just kidding. That's like saying, telling someone to give their, give their um, life testimony in five minutes. Um, over um, the last few months, we've been really struggling. Um, I've been struggling, basically, there's, there's just so much. I look back over my life so far and I'm going, I've had a pretty cruisy. I haven't really had that much stuff happening. Yes, I've buried a daughter. Yes, I've lost my parents. Um, but I've had a pretty cruisy life. But these um, few months, since the end of last year, I suppose, since we, um, well, God, God prompted us to take on youth and to, um, and to nurture the, the youth. And youth always, I've always believed that youth is, is where the next revival, and there's a lot of world leaders and preachers that believe that the next revival is going to happen is, is through the youth of this world. And I've always been, been strong, and it's just over these last few months, it has just never been so much stronger to to me to that how important the youth is to the devil he's doing everything he possibly can to to stop Jesus stepping out and stopping the youth from stepping out but with us we've had I've had just a number of things happened um, the first one was my car got graffitied um, on the on the road, on the footpath, my car was graffitied and I'm thinking, oh yeah, it's just a young fella practising his tag. It turned out to be an 83-year-old man with dementia. Something you don't expect, just something straightly out of the blue, don't expect. Um, I can let you know that for anybody that has their car graffitied, Autobahn has a product called Bolt-Off and it's just like, it's just like, Spray on, wipe off. Spray on, wipe off. It is awesome stuff. It just takes it straight off, leaves the car paint there, leaves a the polish there, and it's awesome stuff. Um, so, yeah, we got over that. The next one, a few weeks later, um, for those who don't know, I'm a, I, um, I'm a lawn mowing contractor, and um, I work with, with other people and in my car. So we have water bottles and that in the car, so, so um, when we do a job, we go in, we do the lawn. Never even occurred, and I have friends in the industry, and even Jason, the boss, he's, he's never ever locked his car. If you go to a job, he never locked his car. I have my wallet stolen out of my car. Um, now that alone is, is, um, is more... I wasn't concerned about the fact that they used a credit card and maxed the credit card out and all that sort of stuff. That was bank fixed that up. But it's the fact of all my licenses, all my tickets, um, cards, blue cards, everything, trying to organise all that stuff. Um, thankfully, I got that back, which is highly, highly... Um, unusual as well. God's favour was in there but I actually got it all back. Um, they knew who he was. Criminals these days aren't very smart. They, they use the cards straight away, went to service stations, went to shops and 
with security cameras. They'd have photos of them there. So, so within two days, they had him. Um, they told him. He pointed out where he where they'd hidden it in the grass, just thrown it in the grass. Um, but yes, I got all that back. Um, all this time, this is really testing my faith. This is testing my faith, and all the time I've. I've got this thing going around in my head all the time going, and since you've taken on the youth, you've had all this stuff. You've had all this stuff happen. Um, we've had mechanical problems. We've had financial problems. We've had um, car. My, my integrity was questioned um, over, over um, when I got my car repaired. And... Um, and Someone had told someone that that I would um, that I'm I'm not a payer. I don't pay. I don't, don't pay my bills. Um, I do a runner. Um, you won't even see me again. Um, and and um, so I went and paid up. He he abused me and in uh, and accused me of stuff about not paying. But this is three months after, and, and I continually keep going back to him and saying. Where's my bill? Where's my bill? Oh, I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. And then he um, he ridiculed me in front of in front of people, um, people close to me, um, about not paying. And and I went to him and I said, well, "Where's my bill? I need my bill. I can't pay if I don't know what I've got to pay." Anyway, long story short, I eventually got it out of him. I paid it. And then he fessed up that he, that he thought that he'd been told that I'd never pay, that I've never paid. Um, my integrity is always something that's, that's been strong to me. It's, um, it's, it's part of me. My faith has been, been strong. I've, I've become a Christian when I was 14. And my faith has always been strong no matter what goes on in my life. I've, I've always had I've always faith. You know, when I lost my daughter, um, not once have I ever gone and said to God, why me? Why, why, why? It's just going, I, I believe, God, it's your plan. You know what's going on. You have, a, you have something better. And um, so, so we've, um, we've been struggling for a bit. And then a few months ago, as probably a lot of you know, um, we we thought we're going to be like so many other people in this town. We're going to be homeless. We rent a house. Um, a house was sold or put up for sale, and um, and we we struggle everywhere. And just we just can't afford the outrageous rents at, at uh, these days. Um, we did a one stage look at moving to Toowoomba. The stupid part is that that we look here. And you look for rentals in Bundaberg, there's 20 rentals in Bundaberg. You go to Toowoomba, there's, there's 196 of one real estate agent alone. And the rents are a third of the price they are here in Bundaberg. It's just ridiculous. Um, but, yes, we can't afford it. And so we're thinking, okay, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be um, homeless. And, and this is for a father, the father's heart. All you want to do is have a have a roof over your family's head. That's um, yeah. It's you're working. You've got money coming in. It's not like you, yeah. There's no chance of income or nothing. But it's just 
so much is so much and it's just so much going around through my head and, and worrying about stuff and um, the Lord provided a way. Um, we were debt free, we went back into debt. We bought a caravan thinking, okay, well that's that's Haley and I, we're covered. But we still have a son, we have a teenage son or an adult son, sorry, that lives with us and we still couldn't find anywhere for him. Um, so we've been four times, four times we've been um, told that yes, we'd had a place, we'd had somewhere to stay and each time it was reneged, each time it pulled out. So we've been selling stuff, we've been trying to make space for expecting to be, to be um, living down at university or whatever. And I must thank all those people who did a few weeks ago offered their place for us to um, to put our van. They offered their yard and their properties and for us to put our van. Um, but then there's a next step. Um, another thing. Oh, yeah. Going back to the house we're in currently and moving from back in, I think it was January, I had a real sense that the landlords were going to put the house on the market. They actually came to us and said, no, they're going to put the rent up. But the night before that, I had a dream. And in that dream, I knew that we were going to be moving and I knew that it was going to be a seamless move, an easy move. I had a little bit of anxiety and apprehension, but it was nothing untoward. And I just had a real sense that something was in the wind. And when they actually came to us and told us that, yes, they were putting it on the market, I said, yes, I know. I said, I've known for a very long time that you were going to put this on the market. And that was like three, back in January they put the rent up and in April they told us they were putting it on the market. And I just looked at them and I thought, no, I'm telling you, yeah, I did know. They're Christians and they needed to know that I had heard in the spirit that, yes, it was going to happen. Um, second part of the, of the testimony is the, uh, as you well know, um, my sister's been really sick. Matter of fact, all the, all the women in my family, my sister, my, um, both my sisters have been sick. One's really bad with COVID. She's come through that now. Um, my mum got COVID in the home, um, even though the home has security checks and they do rat tests on everybody that come through the front door, there was people sneaking in the back way. And they ended up shutting the whole, the whole, the whole um, home was, was shut down with COVID. Um, so thankfully, praise God, it was only a mild dose for her. Um, so she survived that. My younger sister, she, a few weeks ago, she fell. She's a disability carer. She tripped over and she hurt her elbow and her ribs went to doctor, took x-rays and that and hadn't heard anything. And um, in the meantime, she got sick, she got the flu um, and she couldn't shake it. She couldn't shake this flu, kept coughing and coughing and coughing and, and um, then she got pneumonia on top of the flu. Um, and then 
the doctors rung her up and said, oh, you need to come into hospital. You've shattered your elbow and you have a, a cracked rib up in your chest. And, and she was, because she's been copping so much, it's actually opened up the chest where the rib is there. Um, and her lungs with pneumonia, her lungs are full of, of rubbish and full of crap and she can't, she can't cop it up because her chest is so sore. So she's been breathless. Um, she also have, because she's for a job, she needed to have the vaccine and there's complications with the vaccine where all the heart muscles go all hard around, around the heart. So she's having trouble with that as well. Um, so she's been in ICU for a week and a half, week and a half now. Um, these are people that we've been, we've been working on. As Tim mentioned about prodigals. Um, I was the first Christian in my family and I introduced all my family to the to church, to Jesus. Um, I am the only one that still walks with Jesus. But my younger sister is um, through this experience God is working through her. God is touching her. Um, she Last Sunday, um, we were praying here. Our son Daniel, he goes to City Coast Church. He, um, church over there, was praying. The um, the brother-in-law and and both my sister asked me as well. She said on Sunday, they said, "Have you been praying for us?" Because she had she felt improvement. She knows when we pray for them. Um, so we. And then on, so basically they had her on steroids, strong steroids to try and try and clear this rubbish off her chest and, and help her out. These, but you can only keep stay on these steroids for three days. After that, then it starts to, to become very harmful to them. The biggest thing with this, this whole, all these things that's going on with her is that the longer she has it, the more chance she has of getting meningitis, there's yeah, rheumatoid arthritis. There's a number of different diseases that that come uh, complications of this, of what she has, and so, um, so she's really fearful about this. She called me up on Wednesday night because she had bad. Once they took her off this, once the steroids, they took her off that, she went downhill again. Um, and the doctors come in and doctors said, look, we don't know, we we don't know. We've taken blood tests to check for a rare immune disease. Um, she's just so she called me up because she just had enough. As far as she was concerned, this is it. She was going to, she was going to. Um, she's sick of fighting. She didn't want to didn't want to live any longer. And um, so I prayed with her. Um, I <coughs> reassured her. the whole time as her husband, my brother-in-law, sitting there listening to all this, and he's just he's struggling as well. And um, and so I've been spending a bit of time for those that, you know, have been away a bit lately at churches and that. And I've been, been spending time with him and, and, and supporting him. But, um, but she is, um, yeah, she was, she's had a real couple of bad days. And then Friday night we had, um, Hayley didn't come to youth because she wanted to, God really spoke to her and felt that we need to warfare for, for her. So she went to prayer. Um, 
and they prayed. We also prayed at the, at the youth. The youth prayed as well, specifically for her. Um, and I can tell you that prayer does work. Prayer does work. Um, she is improving. She's improving since Friday night. She said her husband, um, he left, because they kick him out of ICU at 7 o'clock at night. He left at 7 o'clock. She said after he left, probably about an hour or so after that, she said she just felt this oxygen, her oxygen level just increased and increased and increased and increased. She actually asked the nurses. She said, if you turn this oxygen down, I'm getting too much oxygen. I'm getting too much oxygen. And that was a time when there was warfaring at, at the hub. That was a time when the youth were praying. Um, so she is on the mend. She is on the mend. Um, they're hoping... She's still in ICU at the moment, but they're trying to bring her oxygen. They're getting her down to a level. She's, she's at the level where they want it now, but they want to leave it for a day, see if she can work her right before they put her into the wards. But, um, but yeah, I just want to encourage you that, that prayer does work. Um, prayer is something that's never been really big in my life, but it's, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm determined to, to improve that and change that because it definitely does work. Um, right, the other one, I don't want to take too long on this, but this one's going to be the longest one probably. Um, we've been a, um, as you know, we've been struggling to find a house. Um, we've just been, we've just been struggling. And God, through this time, and we, I keep believing, I keep believing, I keep believing. And, um, and we were actually, we're actually having a um, cup of coffee with, with, um, Martin and Pat Abel come over. Um. <laughs> the reason Matt, um, Pat had come over was to check my sugar. For those of you that don't know, I've had an infection, which I won't mention where, but <laughs> it's not been very nice. And if my antibiotics hadn't have worked, I was going to hospital. And I can testimony that last Sunday, after I came to worship here on Sunday night, it fested up, my antibiotics finished in the morning and from then it started to heal. I did not particularly want to come on Sunday night. I'd have been asleep. I woke up and thought, no, I've got to go, which I did. So that's where that came in. And someone had said to me, are you diabetic? I said, no, I'm not, but I could be pre. So I thought, mm, I'll get Pat to check my sugar, which she came around and she checked my sugar, which is fine. So back to Gab. So while we're having a coffee, sitting in the lounge room, I got a phone call from Matt, Matt Abel. And this is where Matt comes in now. Matt's going to tell his side of the story to all this because this is a multiple story testimony, this one. Okay, I'll try and be quick. <laughs> so um, a couple of months ago... Um, I get a phone call from a bloke I know, Dave, he's a plumber, and he said, I'm looking at this roof and I have no idea what to do, can you come and have a look? So I thought, okay, so I went and had a look, and we met this old lady that owned the house, and her name was Helen. So Helen, she was a feisty old lady, she was single, <laughs> She'd, um, she had a shed full of tools, she had a camper van, you know, she'd 
been renovating her house on her own. So she was the kind of lady that would just get in and give it a crack, you know, have a go. So she had a leak in her roof and she couldn't fix it. So we worked out what to do. We worked out a time. And, uh, and Dave said, well, you need to come and help me because I don't know, I can't do it on my own. And in the meantime, her kitchen, she'd attempted to do her kitchen and attempted is a good word. <laughs> so she said to us, can you come and have a look at that too? So we went in there. We decided what to do. So I, so we did the kitchen and I just had this real sense that something wasn't right with Helen. Um, it just seemed like she wasn't well and I didn't know anything, no one told me. And I said to Dave, I said, I think she's not well, Dave. Um, and we, every afternoon after we finished work at her house, we'd stand there and we'd pray in the backyard and we prayed for Helen. Uh, we prayed for healing. We didn't really know what was going on, but we thought, you know, Dave could sense something as well. So we prayed for healing for Helen. And we didn't see anything happen. In fact, she got grumpier. <laughs> so, so we were packing up one day and I was, I was loading all the rubbish in the trailer and, and Dave said, I've got to go and share the gospel. And, you know, I'm right next to the kitchen window or the landroom window and I could hear what he was saying to her. And she kind of brushed him off. Um, she said, oh, I've, I've, I know about that stuff and, yeah, I'm not worried about that. So we sort of had a heavy heart after that. We were like, you know, we think this lady needs Jesus, you know. She's got not long left. So, so David sort of finished his part then and then I had to go back and do um, the splashback for her, for the kitchen. So we organised a day. And I felt there was an urgency to do it. I had other things I should have been doing. But I really felt God was saying to me, go and do that. So the first day, it was a really cold and wet day. It was pouring and it was freezing. And I'd got wet on another job, so I was really cold. And I thought, I'm not going to go and start Helen's job today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. So my tomorrow is Wednesday because I, I don't do things on Tuesday. So I turn up on Wednesday... And I did three days. And every single day I felt I had such a burden for Helen and I really felt I've got to try and ask to pray for her. So every single day she was prickly. Like I started the tiling and I asked her a question. I said, well, there's this option or there's that option. What do you think? And she's like, have you ever tiled before, Matt? It is obvious. And I'm like, okay. So which one do you want? <laughs> but she was very particular. She was like looking at you over the shoulder. and um, But she was like, I, could, I liked her actually. I thought she had a nice, you know, she had a good heart. And she paid her bills on time, like that day. So I was like, wow, that's good. <laughs> um, so anyway, I didn't finish it on the Friday. And you know what, every single day I didn't pray for her and I felt bad. I thought I should have prayed for her. I should have just pushed through the prickly grumpy and did it anyway. And I didn't do it because she was really grumpy, you know. And she wasn't well either. I could see that she wasn't well. And then, so I turn up on the Monday morning and I had to grout the tiles. So it was a couple of hours. I thought I'll get this done by lunch and I'll be, I'll be done. Um, and then she can pay the bill, you know. 
So I turn up on Monday morning and there's a note on the back door that said, uh, sorry, you can't have access today. And it had a phone number of her friend. And I thought, well, that's a bit weird. And the dog wasn't barking, which was usual as well. And I thought, oh, like, I wonder what's happened. So I thought, I'll just bring in her bin, because her bin was out the front. I knew she couldn't do it properly, so I brought it in. And when I walked around the back, the neighbour came to the fence, and she was, like, emotional. And I was, like, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. But then she started talking about how the ambulance had taken Helen away on Sunday. So it turned out that Helen had had a heart attack on Sunday, and she passed away. So I was devastated because I felt like maybe I had bailed God, you know. Did I not listen enough? And, you know, every day while I was in there doing that splashback, I would be listening to worship music and I was praying for Helen. I was praying the whole time for three days in her kitchen. And there never seemed to be an opportunity. So I was kicking myself. (laughs) I was like, you know... Didn't I, didn't I obey what the Holy Spirit was saying? But um, so, and then the other side of it was, <laughs> it was a thousand dollars. You know, I'm thinking, I've never had someone die in the middle of a job before, so I was like, <laughs> what do I even do? I don't know. So I actually did nothing. I thought, well, you know, I was a bit, I was a bit emotional, and you know, I've had things happen in the last couple of months which made me more sensitive. And um, so I sort of just did nothing and, you know, I, I went and talked to people and, you know, Liz, and she sort of said, well, Matt, you know, prayer is such a powerful thing. You know, you're in her kitchen praying, you know, whether you know it or not, you open the door in the spirit for people, for her to make a, you know, there might have been a chance. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. But so that encouraged me. And then, you know, so a week went by and I didn't hear anything. I didn't know what to do with the bill or any of that stuff. Helen didn't want a funeral. She just wanted to be cremated and that's it. So she didn't want any fuss. She didn't want any celebration. Uh, She had nobody. She had a brother in New Zealand. um, And that's as much as we knew. So um, she had terminal lung cancer. So they all expected her to go at some point, but... I don't think anyone thought it would be then. So a week went past and I got a phone call from a New Zealand number on my phone. So I ignored it because I don't know anyone in New Zealand. And I'm thinking that's got to be a telemarketer because these guys ring from all sorts of places. So I ignored it and then left a message on my phone saying, um, I'm Helen's niece and I've come here into Australia to sort out Helen's affairs and I, I understand that you've got some work you know in progress so I gave her a call back and it, my phone wouldn't even let me ring her because it was a must be an international thing so I sent her a message which went through and she rang me back and she said oh, I know you've got some work that's underway um, would you like to come and finish her and she said I will pay you out of because the it takes six months for the will to get sorted out so she said, I'll just pay you the $1,000. And I'm like, well, that's such a generous thing, you know, for the, a family member. So they, they said, oh, well, come on Wednesday, finish the job. I'll have $1,000 cash. Bang. And I'm like, no worries, I'm there. 
So I turn up on Wednesday, but in the meantime, I'd had a real burden for Gavin and Haley as well because of their situation with the homelessness and stuff. And because, you know, I, I see a lot of homeless people every week uh, when we do our barbecues and all around the place. So I know the feelings that these guys have, you know, when it's out of their control, uh, they've got, there's, there's no options. There's zero options and they have no hope. So... I can really feel for people when they, you know, I could feel for Gavin and Haley, and I was, and Dan as well, you know, and we know Dan quite well as well, so I was feeling for them, but I just had them on my mind, and then when I went into this house, these, <laughs> the kids were crazy, they're running around, and they're swearing like troopers, like, you know, the kids, and then, and this lady, she's swearing as well, and she's, they're really rough around the edges, but... Um, I sort of had it on my heart to talk to them about what they're going to do with the house because they said six months and they're telling me that the neighbour's going to mow the lawn, the house is just going to be vacant and I th I'm thinking, well, that's not um, good because there's another house for somebody, you know, but Gavin and Haley, I thought, well, that'd be awesome for them. So I plucked up the courage because I think the Holy Spirit kept telling me, talk to her, talk to her. And I'm just like... <laughs> waiting until there's an opportunity and then I talked to her and I said well you know what would you be open to someone parking their caravan in your backyard here because I knew that Gavin and Haley had a caravan I said and they have a son who needs a room um, and she said well I'm, I'm a bit hesitant about that because we don't know anyone in Australia and then she said do you know them really well and I said well actually I do know them really well I said they're actually uh, youth leaders at my church and as soon as I said church, she put her hand over her face and she said, oh my God, I've been swearing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's all right, don't worry about it. And then she's telling the kids, stop swearing, stop swearing. <laughs> but she said, oh, well, if you know them really well, that's okay. I've met her for three hours. You know, God is such a good God and his favour and his presence goes with us everywhere and when we go, you know, people sense it, they feel it, they know, they, she just knew that, okay, he's trustworthy. <laughs> and yeah, like, I hadn't done my hair, Tim, either, so... <laughs> so anyway, so I said, well... How about I connect you pair, Gavin and, and uh, what was her name? Tiani. Is it? Tiani? Kim. Jamie, that's it. Kim and Jamie. I don't even remember. That. I'm bad with names. Is there a Tiani? Their sister. Oh, there you go. There is a Tiani. So anyway, so I connected them. And I, in the process, I um, talked about Gavin and Haley. I talked them up a lot, you know. But... Um, I, so I rang Gavin straight away and that's when my mum and dad were sitting in there I didn't even know that until yesterday or the other day, Friday and I said Gavin I think I might have found something for you to look into because I was aware that he'd been let down and I didn't want to um, it was really hard because I didn't want, <laughs> didn't want this to fall through but, but I had this really sen good sense that like from God that this was going to be okay you know God had engineered this whole thing 
you know, for me to be there and not finished when Helen passes away so that I can meet her relatives, who then ends up with Gavin and Hallie um, having a house. Um, and Gavin will tell you about the rest of it as far as how generous these people are. Like they are literally, they're so generous. I've never, you know, these aren't Christian people either. Yeah. But these guys aren't Christian. They, yeah. So, you know, after I connected them, she sends me a message, a text message, which I forwarded on to Gavin, and it said, pretty much said that I've rang my dad, you know, her dad's in New Zealand. He said it's okay. I'm not going to kick him out. It's all good. So, <laughs> so I sent that to Gavin to make him, you know, feel a bit better about it. So anyway, so Gavin then rang them, and the rest is his story. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so quickly, we um, rang, a, rang them up, and um, they said, yep, do you want to come around and have a look? So we, we went around there. We walked through the house, and there was just these beautiful people. You know, this, these are people we've never met before. We walk in, and they just they just open their arms, um, both of them. And I can tell you what, Marys give awesome hugs. Oh, they give awesome hugs. Um, but yes, and these aren't Christians. These are not Christian people. Um, her mother is. And, um, and Haley's got another bit to tell later on. But we have, um, but we went in there and, uh, and she said, yep, look, we're happy for you to rent it. Um, and they said, oh, what are you paying now? And we, we told them what, we, what we're paying. We said, look, we just, we can't afford to continue paying that. And we can't afford the, the rent prices that they want now. So she said, okay. So she threw out a figure. And this figure, we sort of like just, we were just literally gobsmacked. We're going, this figure is less than half of what they want for rent these days. Um, and we say, are you sure about that? Yeah, yeah, we just want to pay for, our, pay for the, the college fees for next year for their son. So, so I said, go and have a look around, see if you want it. Like, I'm pretty sure we're going to want it. <laughs> so we're talking, this is, this is way, way, you know, this is, and uh, it just blew us away. It blew us away. So we're in there and, and then they're going, um, she's going, oh, we've got to get rid of all this stuff, you know, going to give it to Salbos and that. They're going, do you, want, do you want this lounge chair? There's a brand new electric reclining chair. Leather, one, Haley already claimed that one. She, she dibs that one. She went shotgun on that straight away. Um, but there, there's a lazy boy, there was lounge, there was just, they just left stuff. What about this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Anyway, and um, I went out the back, and um, there's just two, as I said, as Matt said, Helen was, she dabbled in everything, leatherwork, jewellery making, woodwork, metalwork, um, anything she could think of, she was, she was uh, digging into, and there was just a shed full of tools, shed full of tools, and he's going, oh, I don't know what to do with this, so, you know, so I said, oh, look, I'll, I'll take that, and I'll take a couple of tools, anyway, and... I'm getting the wound up here. Um, so she's, um, basically the end of the day is that we have a, that we have a house. Um, they, they left yesterday, they flew back to New Zealand again. They come in and um, 
and handle. We didn't want to get too excited until we had the keys in our hand. Um, so we didn't want to tell too much. But God was just really, he was with us. We, we had this beautiful house and they were just so generous. They just walked in. He, he said to us when, when he left, he gave me a hug. Jamie gave me this beautiful Maori hug and he's just he's whispered in my ears, he's going, this is all yours. This is all yours. This is our gift to you. We're going, wow, God, you are just so, so awesome. And we're talking thousands of dollars worth of, of, um, of stuff, including power tools and, and, um, and tools and all such stuff, furniture. And, but God is good. And just what I really want to emphasize is that when you're going through the storm and you think, oh, I've just had enough. This isn't worth it. I'll just give up. I heard something on a podcast a few months ago and I sort of like it sort of like stuck in the back of my head a little bit that if you keep going, you keep going, if you give up, you're gonna miss the breakthrough. You're gonna miss a breakthrough. You could be right at that breakthrough, you could be right at that last point, it could be just right there, and you turn around and say, No, I've had enough and walk away. Um, and so I've always so I said, I kept believing, I kept believing to keep going, keep pushing through, pushing through. God has, has um, just these last couple of weeks, I suppose, or this last week or so really, just showed me that if you keep pushing through, the breakthrough will come. He is faithful. And as we sung earlier, if you, you know, I, I defy anybody to tell me that God can't do that. He's a miracle working God. Well, that goes 30 minutes of testimony. <laughs> come on. No, again, let's, no, we, come on, we're going to get in the word. You can shoot from the hip in two minutes, can't you? <laughs> the reality is this, hey, the thing that really, the thing that really, oh, come back here, <laughs> is that we all go through stuff. We, we all go through stuff, don't we? Yes? All different types of things, but the, but the truth is that, that we all go through stuff. And the verse of Scripture, you know, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. You know, the enemy always wants us to give up. And, you know, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. That's what family is. That's what brothers and sisters are. That's, like, that's what we do. We lift up each other's arms in the battle, just like Aaron and her did with Moses. And we keep lifting up each other's arms until we get the breakthrough. Because the Word of God says when one weeps, we all weep. And when one rejoices, we, we all rejoice. Is there an amen to that? Morning, guys. Um, I really don't need to say anything, but... Um while I'm here, I guess I'll, I just want to um, encourage everybody, uh, Matthew 8 uh, has a really intriguing couple of verses and um, it, it starts off, when he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him and behold, a leopard came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And um, I just looked at that, and there's a couple of points there I want to bring out in that short scripture. 
Um, the man said, if you're willing, Lord, you can make me clean. If you want to, Lord, uh, if it floats your boat, Lord, if it, you know, not if I'm good enough or not if I'm handsome or prayed a lot or whatever, but if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he came with the right attitude. He knew that he was at the end of his tether and he couldn't do anything to save himself. So he said to Jesus, if you're willing, Lord, because I guess he'd seen Jesus doing miracles with other people. And I guess a faith arose in him um, because of what he'd seen. Hey, maybe this could be what I've been looking for. This could be... uh, beginning of a new life for me so he's he, jesus of course then in the next couple of verses um, he put out his hand and touched him saying i'm willing be cleansed first of all in that time in israel you didn't touch a leper they had to announce to everybody that they were unclean so that nobody would come too close to them because even then they knew that certain diseases passed on from one person to another. Just like my conjunctivitis the other week that I got from my wife who got it from my granddaughter. I haven't had conjunctivitis for a thousand years. <laughs> and I'd, I'd forgotten what it was like when you wake up in the morning and trying to get your eye open. <laughs> it's embarrassing, I tell you. Well, that's, that's what happens with infectious diseases. They pass on to other people and uh, contagious sorry you're not infectious Um, they get passed on so they knew it even in Jesus day and um, so they when Jesus touched this leper imagine the horror that would have gone through that multitude of congregation of people Um, but what happened was that Jesus said, I am willing. And when he said, I am willing to that man, he said it to the rest of us. Did you know that? Guess not. Um, (laughs) When he said, I am willing to him, he might have gone, oh no, I shouldn't have said that later on. No, he didn't. But he blew it for himself because he... There is no respecter of persons with God. God doesn't look at one person and say, I'm going to heal you, and look at another and say, I'm not. Jesus, It says that anyone who came to him was healed. Anyone who was brought to him was healed. Jesus had something in him called life. Remember he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He had this thing in him called life. And no disease was any match for that. In fact, the contagion went the other way. His life went into that man and destroyed the sickness. Now, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. I've got, I've got all authority now. That's, the devil's been conquered. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus, when he came to earth, his father said, go and make disciples of this nation. 
go and make disciples of this nation. And when Jesus left, he said to us, go and make disciples of all nations. He even said, greater things than I have done will you do because I go to the Father. I can give you the Spirit and each one of you will be a little me, a mini me. And that's what we are. And so our contagion is life because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. The Spirit is in us. He is life. And remember when, when just wasn't long after Pentecost, they found the man in the beautiful gate of the temple. And Peter said, what I have, I give you. I don't got no money, but what I have, I give you. And he touched him and life came into him. Okay, that's us, guys. That's us. We have life in us because the Spirit of God is in us. Now we've just got to learn to use it. We've got to get out of the way and put ourselves in a position where the Spirit of God can flow through us like he did with those apostles. And that, my friends, is where we come in. We can be like the athlete who the Olympic Games is going on at the moment. Commonwealth Games, sorry, is going on at the moment. And um, the people that are competing in those games, like, like Tim said the other week, they don't drink Pepsi Max. All right? What a profound statement. Now, if you think of that statement, it is profound because it means that they are weird people. <laughs> they go out of their way. They've got such a focus. And this two weeks is their heaven. And they're in there with everything that they've trained for and everything that they've gone for for the last umpteen years of their life is focused on this two weeks and the bible says they do it for a medal that rots away but you guys if you have that same heart can do it for a wreath that never never rots or is always eternally there for you it's your choice God, you can get as far into God as you want to. You'll never reach the end, no matter how long eternity is, we'll never reach the end of God. You can get as far into God as you like, and it's as you like, it's your choice. But the more you get into God, the closer you get to Him, the more you read the Word, the more you stop drinking Pepsi and... And your TV shows and your football games and... No! But what I'm saying is... <laughs> there's a dedication that we can, by, by choice, get into that will bring us to a place where we can really be world changers. Because the world, God has never allowed the world, ever, to find the cure for every disease, to work out how to fix marriages, to work out how to repair families. God, without God, the world will never be allowed to find these answers. 
They're all in Jesus Christ. So, Heavenly Father, we just bless you and praise you today, Lord, because um, the sky is the limit is putting just too much of a ceiling on it. Um, And so, Lord, help us. Guide us, direct us, Lord. Help us to be those people who not just put a Band-Aid on on the things of this world, but are able to, Lord, touch the, the sick and heal them, to bring hope and to bring life into this world. We are the life givers, Lord. We, we understand that. And we want to be better at what we do. So, Lord, help us. Give us grace as we seek you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.